0: Oh, man. You be seated. What a crazy week we've been having this week. Anybody here for the recording at all? Oh, man. I mean, it's crazy. I came in and I was like, wait, did that even happen? I don't know. <laughs> all this stuff is different. But you know what's not different is your hunger for the Lord. Right. I mean, it, it didn't matter if we had a few more a different setup or whatever, that was really cool. I thought the round thing was really unique. I think it's gonna look amazing on the videos and all that. But really what's special about this place is that you guys love Jesus, you know, and, and we we are chasing after him with passion. And so I just want to say thank you guys. Thank everybody that was involved. Man, I'm going to give up again for Chris and his team, uh, how they just did all the behind the scenes stuff, making it look and sound amazing and everything, give, making our jobs easy. I'm just so proud of our students, um, the musical students, and those of you who are just here just pouring out your hearts. It didn't matter if you couldn't, if, if you can't carry a pit. So all the Bible says is you got to make a joyful. Noise, right? That's all that matters, right? Make a joyful noise. Those don't be quiet, right? So I'm grateful. I'm grateful for uh, the chance to be here. I've been here for about 12 years now. Hard to believe uh, when we, yeah, we've been here for a while. Um, not something that I ever thought was going to be a possibility. Uh, lived in Nashville, Tennessee for about 17 years before that. Uh, but then God called us to move to Minneapolis to come and participate in building a beautiful culture here at North Central University and pouring it to students. I mean, think about how old you were 12 years ago. (laughs) Just kids, man, back then, right? Now you're here. Now you're studying. Now you're pursuing the Lord. Now you're asking very difficult questions and trying to find your way. And that's what myself and others are here to do, to try to help you uh, to do, to be able to follow what the Lord has for you. I want to give one quick little announcement as well. I mentioned this a couple last week, but since we have been doing the recording, uh, we also want to let you know, there might have been some of you out there thinking to yourself, man, I would love to be a part of that. I play the drums, or I play bass, or I sing, or whatever. How how do I get involved in the Worship Live teams? Well, it's good that you asked, because we are having auditions. And I don't know, you know, uh, it's possible that Jonathan Thomas is going to audition again, I, I could be wrong, but uh, we would give you another look, man. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Have you guys heard this guy sing? He's up here singing, rapping. Come on, man. Both those guys, right? Man, it's good stuff. All right. So, but, so we want to make this you aware of this. Uh, if you are interested, and I will, I will even say this that we need you. All right, you might think to us, ah, oh, there's tons of people out there. Ah, oh, there's lots of people. They don't need me. No, we, we want you, we need you to step in and be a part of using your gifts to glorify God. So, if you're interested, if you play the drums or bass or guitar or keyboards or you sing and you would love to be a part of something like this, I would encourage you to check out those times, dates. February 10th, that's a week from today, vocal auditions. That's just you singing a song. Five minutes in front of me and a couple other, uh, Ellington and and Gabby, a couple of us just listening to. And we're going to go through for about five hours and listen to students singing. It's going to be awesome. And then we're going to have instrumental auditions on the 15th, too. So check those out. Last thing I'll say before we jump into the word is I always got to show a picture of my family. So I've got this picture of my family. And some of you guys, yeah, come on, give it up for my family. All right, thank you. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. Um, some of you know that uh, I mean, when we moved here 12 years ago, my oldest son Roman was seven, and now he's a freshman here at North Central University. I know you love me, giving you the attention. Thank you, Roman. I love you, son. <laughs> it's crazy to think about that. It's crazy to think about that. But uh, so I'm thankful for my family. But I I come here today with some really, really, really good news for you guys. I, I mean, it's kind of a crazy thought that this is good news, but. Uh, This is my good news. Let's put it up there on the screen. Sin has lost its power. You're like, okay, all right, cool. No, I don't think you guys understand what I'm saying here. Look, I said sin has lost its power. Like there's no power in your life. And you're like, well, that seems to be contrary to my experience because it seems like sin is so powerful in my life. And I'm telling you, the Bible is telling you otherwise. It's a pretty simple message today, but I believe it is so important for you today to grab onto this. Now, this isn't the primary message of the gospel. Because to me, the primary message of the gospel is that we can be reconciled with the Father, to have relationship with him. That's the primary message of the gospel. It's not even forgiveness of sins. It's that we can be forgiven so that, somebody say, so that. So that we can have fellowship with the Father. So this is a stepping stone in that because if you believe the opposite of that, then you're going to have a hard time having fellowship with the Father. And you can imagine that the enemy is trying over time to get you to believe the opposite of that statement that you are stuck in sin, that sin is heavy, that it has power over you. The Bible is very clear. You know these things already, right? I'm not going to probably tell you anything this morning that you don't know. But are you living out what you know? Are you living in what you know? Because the enemy is always trying to get you to live the opposite of what God wants you to live, right? So, look, I'm going to read. This is going to be crazy, I'm actually going to read the whole chapter of Romans 6. And we're all going to stand for the reading of the word of God. So stand up with me, all right? We're going to read this whole chapter. Not we. I'm going to read it, but you're going to read along, all right, quietly. But, but stay engaged, all right? We're going to read this whole chapter, Romans chapter 6. It says this. Well, then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not, Paul says. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten? Some of us have, and that's okay, but I'm here to remind you. Some of us have forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death. Come on, word of God. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new, somebody say new, new lives. Verse 5, since we have been united with him in his death, we also, will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves, our what sinful selves? Our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. I'm telling you, I came here to bring some good news. Right, I, My message today is not about sin, it's about the fact that sin has lost its power, which is good news for us. Verse 7, for when we died with Christ, we were set free. Somebody say, set free. That, I, don't, yeah, I don't know about that. Let's say it one more time. Somebody say, set free. Set free. Right, there we go. Okay, that's much better. <laughs> when we die with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ... We know we will also live with him. We are sure of this. Are we sure? Let's get sure. Let's get sure. Are we sure? We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead, and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. Come on, verse 10. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you should also consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin, come on, and alive, (laughs) and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to its sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument for evil to serve, of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves. Somebody say, instead. Instead, give yourselves completely. Help us, Lord. We want this. We want this, right? We want to give ourselves completely to God. Help us, Lord. Give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead. But now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Verse 14, sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then... Since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? We, we covered this already, but we're, we're going to cover it again because it's an important question, right? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? Whew, help us, Lord. You can be a slave to sin. <laughs> That's different. We don't want to sign up for that. We don't want to sign up for that. You sign up for auditions, but don't sign up for this, all right? <laughs> don't sign up. We can't, you can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. We're almost there. We're almost there. Come on, just a couple more verses. Verse 18. Now you are free from your slavery to sin. You have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all of this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led even deeper into sin. Now, You must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. Help us, Lord. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. Verse 21, and what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do things that end in eternal doom, but now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. And you know this verse, right? But see, if we take this without a context. We're we going to read the whole ver- whole chapter. For the wages of sin is death, but the what? Free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. (laughs) So, Father, we give you praise this morning for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you that you counteract the lies of the enemy, Lord. And we receive today, we were determined to receive your goodness for us the truth about sin. Thank you, Lord, that you conquered sin, death, and the grave, and that you've given us power to overcome and live in holiness and live in righteousness. Father, I believe you have a word. This is going to touch somebody today and and help them understand that they don't have to be stuck in sin anymore, that they thought they had to, but they don't have to. And thank you, God, that we don't have to be stuck in sin. Thank you that you have made a way so that we could be forgiven, that we can be cleansed, that we can walk in holiness, and more than anything, that we could walk with you. We're so grateful, God. We're so grateful. And we thank you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Come on, yeah. Thank God for his word. Man, how many times we just need to sit down and read it again, you know? I mean, this chapter is, I mean, and again, I don't mean to bring too much attention to my son, but it's one of the reasons that we named him Roman because I love, and I mean, if I had time, we'd go through Romans 6, 7, and 8. There's a lot of misunderstanding about chapter 7. Right, especially, right. it's right in between there where it's talking about sin has lost its power. We get all confused. We think we have to do what we don't want to do, but that's Paul talking about his old, unsaved Jewish self. Okay, that might just mess with you, but you can go back and look at it, all right, because then in chapter 8, he comes back and revisits and says, no, it's by the Spirit. If you continue to live in sin, you will die. But if by the Spirit you stop sinning and fellowship with God, then you will live. But we're just going to look at chapter 6. I won't even mention chapter 7 or 8. <laughs> Although I did already. Okay, anyway, so we're just going to go through six highlights just real quick uh, from this, this chapter. Number one, we can live new lives. Sounds like that should be on like a poster, you know, with a, an athlete running or something. You know, like, we can, we can do it. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength or whatever. But this is it's a pretty basic statement, but I want you to know that. I want you to feel that. I want you to to, to to wear that. Say, I can live the new life that Christ has for me. In fact, I should. In fact, I must live the life that Christ has given me. You don't have to live in your old life. There's so many past tense words in this scripture that we looked at. You were your old sinful selves. This is the way you used to live. But some of you, and I'm not... Man, we all wrestle, right? But some of us believe that we have to stay stuck in that. But I'm here to tell you the good news that you can be free, okay? You can live a new life. This is a basic statement, but it's foundational theology for every believer, right? Of course, we don't have to live new lives, but Jesus has made a way for this. Why ignore that? We just have to decide if we agree with God or not. We know it. Other verses say it, right? 2 Corinthians 5.17. says the old is gone and the new has come, right? Your old self is dead now. And your new self is alive through Christ Jesus, through the power of the Spirit, and we can live new lives. Number two. We are no longer slaves to sin. Hey, we said it about ten times in that verse, but I just want to say it again. We are no longer slaves to sin. Now, I preached a message uh, called "The Modern Day Superhero" a couple years back, and how we have the power of God in us, and we talk about how the Bible tells us that there's this great power exchange that happens. I mean, imagine like when when we were, before Jesus, sin had great power and we had little power, right? But then when Jesus came, there was this massive power exchange, right? All of a sudden, the Bible tells us in Romans 6 that sin has lost its power and that we have now become powerful because of the Spirit in us. That would be one thing if sin was powerful and we had no power, but sin lost its power. Now neither one of us has power. Okay, it's better than it was. But that's not even the full truth. The full truth is sin has lost its power completely, and we have gained the power of the Spirit. There's this massive change. Yet we live the opposite way. We think, oh, the heavy burden of sin. Oh, it's so powerful. I'm not saying that sin's not powerful. It's powerful if you let it be powerful. If you believe that it's powerful, then it is powerful. But if you embrace the truth that you are no longer a slave to sin, say, "Look," because we're not like naming it, claiming it type of thing here. But what you believe does matter. And if you believe that sin has uh, power over you, then surely it does. Right? It's not magical like, oh, just because I believe that I'm not a slave to sin anymore, I'm never going to sin. We're not saying that. But, man, that's a big step in the right direction. You're going to have a much harder time living in holiness if you believe that sin has power over you than if you believe it doesn't. Romans 6.2 says, we have literally died to sin. But many of us live like we are still alive to sin and dead to God's power. It reminds me of my little puppy, Shifu. Come on, Roman, you know. Shifu, yes, full name, Master Shifu, right? Yes, he's a little Lhasa Apso, a little black dude with a little white uh, tuxedo thing going on right here. And I promised myself that I would never get a little dog. Those little dogs would come around and go, you know, just I like I want I want a big dog. I want a big dog. But we ended up getting a small dog. But the thing about Sifu is he's different than a lot of little dogs. Because he has this bark. Like, if you came to my house and you rang the doorbell, I'm telling you, man, you would hear. I mean, he's coming, he's like this, mad. I mean, literally sounds like he's going to rip, tell me if I, am I wrong? I mean, he sounds like he's going to rip your throat out. He's coming around the corner and you know, this is the last breath I'm ever going to breathe because this dog is going to kill me. And literally you're looking up and all of a sudden, this little dog comes up to you, right? He's just like going crazy. And you can see it on people's face when they come to our house, they're like, huh, huh. And he, he comes up to you like really vicious, and then all of a sudden he's like, all right, he's good. He's good. And then He just sniffs you, and he walks away. Bro, this is what I'm telling you. Sin is like that little dog. He got a big, big old bark, but he got no bite. He got nothing. He got nothing on you. But you're like, oh, my gosh, it's sin. Nah, man, he's just a little Shifu. Little a master, little master Shifu lost his power. You know what I'm saying? I love my little dog. You love him more than I do. That's true. That's true. But I love you, so therefore we have a dog. So. But that's what, that's what we have to understand is that sin has this big old bark. And it might freak people out. And they think, oh, sin must have a lot of power. But you've got to stick with the word. Like keep reading this stuff. Keep going back to it. Go back tonight and read Romans 6 again. Remind yourself. That's one of the reasons we named Roman Romans so that I could remind myself. Not just for him, but for me. I want to remember. I don't want to forget that sin, that I'm no longer a slave to sin. Number three, do not let sin control your life. Man, it's amazing the phrasing here. Do not let sin control your life. Verse 11 says, consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Interestingly, verse 12 says, do not let sin control your life. To me, this feels like we have some say in this. You know, and again, I think a big part of it is your belief system. Because if again, if you believe that sin has power, then it's going to have power of your life. So part of our, our understanding is that we just have to change our understanding to match the word of God. We have some say in this. How, how do we have a say? Well, the Bible tells us we should give ourselves completely to God, just ask yourself, are you doing that? I'm asking myself. This morning I was prepping for this thing. I'm like, am I doing that? Am I giving myself completely to God? I want to. But that's the instruction. It says, it says if you want to believe the right thing about the word of God and understand that you can, not, you can, you can keep sin from having control of your life, then part of doing that is giving yourselves completely to god you can give yourself completely to sin you can give yourself completely to god or you can kind of hang out in the middle ground very dangerous and then it also gives us instruction to counteract sin by doing what is right i mean like how am i supposed to do this Part of the how is just do the right thing, like take steps to do the right thing. Serve somebody, love somebody, help somebody, be kind to somebody, walk in purity, choose to follow God, worship God when you don't feel like it. Come to chapel anyways, you know? I mean, just begin to do the things that God has called us to do and that will create patterns in your life and that actually counteracts the sin that in your that wants to come into your life. Number four, we are slaves to whatever we choose, or we are slaves to whatever we obey. Sin used to be your master, but no more. Your actions of obedience to the, to, the, to a thing dictates your level of bondage to that thing. Think about that. Your actions of obedience to that to a thing dictates your level of bondage to that thing. So you can obey sin, and that means you are a slave to sin. You can obey earthly pleasures, and you're a slave to earthly pleasures. You can obey holiness, and you can be a slave to holiness. Obey kindness, and be a slave to kindness. Number five, give yourself over to righteousness. What does this mean? Die to yourself and completely surrender to righteousness. I love that idea of I can either be in bondage to sin or I can be in bondage to righteousness. Doesn't sound like a very good choice. Like I have to be in bondage one way or the other. But it's like, it's a really good thing to be in bondage to righteousness. Like chain me, bind me, whatever it is. Change me to kindness, love. Change me to Christ. We are a slave to whatever we obey. So give yourself over to righteousness. Number six, do what leads to holiness, and eternal life. So that's verse 22. This is the one thing, like the Israelites, the Israelites tried really hard, but they didn't have what we have. They had to try in their own power. But the, we have the blood of Jesus and the power of the Spirit of God to change our lives. Give us what they did not have. That's why Jesus came. We understand that we need Him. But that with Him we can do what leads to holiness and eternal life. Three quick hows on this. God always provides a way out in temptation. These are these are verses we just have to keep in front of ourselves, right? 1 Corinthians 10, 13. So many, so many times we don't remember that there are two doors. There's door A, it's temptation, and then there's always a door B. Because the Bible tells us here, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that he will show you a way out so that, you can, so that you can endure. So there's always that door B. So I start praying. I'm like, Lord, show me the door B. Help me to turn to door B. It's there. You always provide a way out. So the way out is always there. The temptation is not the sin. everyone's tempted. Jesus was tempted. Being tempted is not sin, but giving in to temptation is sin. So there's always a way out. I praise you, Lord. We praise you that there is a way out. You always give us a way out. Number two, run and resist. First Corinthians 6:18 tells us, hey, some people try to resist sexual sin, but The Bible tells us that we should run, or in some translations it says flee. (laughs) Flee sexual immorality. Flee from sexual sin. Run. So we resist the devil, and he will flee. But we need to run from sexual sin. Don't try to resist. Just run. Run and resist. Number three, and this is where it all ends right here, by the Spirit. Romans 8. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, You have no obligation to do what your simple nature urges you to do. Just receive that. Just receive that. You have no obligation. No one's forcing you. You are not controlled by sin any longer. Sin has lost its power. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit... Come on, man. (laughs) This is what makes the difference, the power of the Spirit in our lives. I cannot be holy. I cannot resist and run from sin. I cannot overcome without the Spirit of God, but by the Spirit. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. It's as if some of us, can we stand all over this place? It's as if some of us are still sitting in a prison with the door wide open and the keys in your hand and you're still just hanging out in that prison believing that the door is locked and shut and yet you can't get out but I'm here to tell you today but by the word of God the door is wide open and you can get up and you can walk out now chapel is done now what I want to do, if you have time, would love to just take a couple minutes and allow us to make the walk from your seat to the altar. The statement that's saying, now that you're not saying, hey, I'm caught up in this great sin. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But you're making the walk from your seat to the altar, the walk out of the prison. You're symbolizing to yourself and all of us around you, that you're saying, I agree, I am no longer stuck in sin, and I'm gonna walk out of that prison and receive the truth of the word of God over my life that sin has lost its power. That's good news, ladies and gentlemen. That is great news. Sin has lost its power in your life so that you can be now with the Father. So let's just take a couple minutes. If you have time, I would love for you to take that walk down to the altar and let us just declare before the Lord that we agree with his word that sin has lost its power in our lives. Thank you, Jesus.